0: It's the Auburn Observer podcast, the recap edition, and painter, do we have a football game to recap for the folks at home? Auburn 48, LSU 11. We said this was going to be a weird game. We said this would probably be a result that uh, people would be talking about for a while. And I I honestly think, Painter, when, when we were expecting a weird result, the most Auburn thing on Halloween possible was to just blow the doors off of LSU.
1: Absolutely wonderful game. The most fun I've had in years watching a route. And I must say, the boys deserve a lot of praise. The coaching staff, shout out to them. Absolutely worked that LSU team.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. They they played extremely well against LSU on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the funny thing about this game was you get to the end of the first quarter, weren't very many big plays, very much a, like a back and forth little like tug of war at the line of scrimmage. Some good punting. Some really good punting. And then you're sitting there thinking, okay, this might look like an LSU-Auburn game of the past. Like this was going to be a classic Auburn LSU game, and then Auburn gets on a drive in the second quarter um, that ends with a fumble, but they they move the ball extremely well on that on that second drive. They go a little screen pass Eli Stove that breaks open. Nobody really keeps up with him. He goes 38 yards. Tank gets it for seven yards up the middle, and then Bo throws a back shoulder ball to Derek uh, to Seth Williams, who was covered by Derek Singly. Good play. He doesn't hold on to it. Weird fumble, out-of-bounds touchback, and people are starting to feel like, oh, no, oh, no, here we go. Um, you know, Auburn miss, missed opportunity. Uh, you know, this is, this is once again, this team just can't get out of it its own way. LSU starts the next drive with a really good pass from T.J. Finley to Racy McMath. Uh, they can do a quick little run for barely anything, and then uh, T.J. Finley throws an interception right to Nehemiah Pritchett. Pritchett almost re- houses it. Uh, stepped out of bounds short uh, Auburn scores um, on really basically two plays later because of a penalty um, Auburn punts the ball back uh, on their next drive after a really bad second and one play goes to third and six and then you know all right seven nothing you feel like you should be, be, be if you're Auburn you feel like you should be doing a lot better and then uh, look man Auburn's pass rush gets home Christian Tut makes a heads-up play to pick it up and score Auburn's up 14 nothing LSU gives the ball back up. Auburn drives 99 yards uh, on LSU to go up 21-0 uh, right before halftime. LSU puts three on the board. And then in the third quarter, Auburn just stomps on LSU. Um, and uh, doesn't stop until early fourth quarter when um, bonix uncorks a deep ball to Anthony Schwartz in stride. Puts the final, really the exclamation point for the first team offense and defense in that victory for the Tigers. Um Look, I think mean, looking this-
1: back, like the, the drives to me that made this game are the defensive stop uh, or the forced turnover after Seth's fumble. Because I felt like mm-hmm. um, I was very much in the camp going, all right, LSU is going to get this together. Auburn has got to be cleaner in this game. And then the other part was that tank run to get Auburn out of the end zone and then eventual drive. I felt like, okay... This is a little bit different than some games we've seen from Auburn in the past where they were able to strongly close a half, and I feel like they took that into the half. Didn't they score on the opening drive? I mean, By that nope. point, I felt like LSU's will was starting to break at some point, and it was one of the games where I was initially concerned that Auburn was just going to keep shooting itself in the foot, right. and we were going to get a close fourth quarter game that they would ultimately come up on the short end of. That's not what happened and they really stuck it to LSU in the second half. But I mainly was really pleased to see the response, even if some of it was a bit fortunate. Uh, that Finley threw a bad ball. Great stuff by Pritchett, and then a great drive by Auburn. Instead of letting LSU get the ball back, um, you know, with good field position, it takes the ball and shoves it down their throat to make it what a three-score twenty-one-zero game at that point.
0: Yeah. Here are the drives after uh, really the first quarter. You know, four punts back and forth. LSU misses a long field goal. Auburn fumbles for a touchback. Then it goes. LSU interception, Auburn touchdown. LSU punt, Auburn punt. LSU fumble, Auburn returns it for a touchdown. LSU punt, Auburn touchdown. LSU field goal, Auburn touchdown. LSU interception, Auburn touchdown. LSU punt, Auburn touchdown. LSU punt, Auburn touchdown. Auburn, there was a stretch where they touched the ball eight times. I had their hands physically on the ball eight times and scored touchdowns on seven of them. Like, that's that's your game. That's your game right there. That is an Auburn team not shooting itself in the foot, not um, having the little things pop up and get them. They really focused this week on finishing this team off. You know, the last three years, they've had three opportunities to beat LSU, and they let all three of them slip through their fingers. And so... The coaching staff really harped on it this week for Auburn. You have to finish when you have them uh, up against the wall. Finish it off. Um, you know, don't don't let them sneak back in it. Alec Jackson said it best. He said, "The message in the halftime locker room was keep our foot on their throats," and they did it, and they did it, and that was exactly what Auburn has been looking for for a while. And really, both sides of the ball got it done. And yeah, LSU might be bad. Like LSU might just not be like, oh, this is a hangover. You're like LSU just might be a bad football team this year. But you still have
1: to go out and do this. And 37. Well, they've also put up a lot of points on other people, um, right? I, yeah, I know that's the, the that's outlier in the Mississippi State game, right? But um, like they move the ball defensively. State. You can you can quarrel with how good they've been under Bo Pelini this year, but I think offensively, given what they had to lose and how the numbers have looked, they've been pretty good. And it's Mm -hmm. been this Auburn team over the last couple of years that has been able to shut down their offense better than essentially any other team has.
0: Let's start there. You know, there's going to be a tendency, I think, for a lot of people to point to the offense. The offense was Mm -hmm. great for Auburn. 300 passing yards, 200-plus rushing yards. Defensively, the goal coming into this game for Auburn, when you talk to players after the game and Gus Malzahn, goal was stop them from running the ball because they're going to try to do it to help out TJ Finley. And then when you get T.J. Finley in opportunities to drop back, get after him. We talked about it on Thursday. What was it going to be like if Auburn could pressure a true freshman quarterback for LSU away from home? It looked very much like what Auburn did six years ago against Brandon Harris.
1: He was overwhelmed, you know, and I thought at first it he looked, looked okay. Like I yeah. thought it was going well initially, but then after the t- re- recover. And Auburn's ability to essentially, I think, slam the door shut on this game, even if I didn't realize it at the time with that right. touchdown right before the half. I felt like Auburn broke Finley in a way.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, he was starting to airmail throws. You know, he was seeing ghost out there for a little bit. It was it was a game, I thought, where Auburn did exactly what they needed to do. Here's the stat. LSU ran the ball. Take away the sacks. LSU ran the ball f- uh, for 57 yards. Two and a half yards of carry. This is an Auburn team that last week got kind of torn up up front, some of it by design, against the Ole Miss rushing attack. LSU was going to try to do it. Chris Curry, John Emery, they were going to try to run the ball against uh, against Auburn, and they could not do it. Emery, 2.3 yards of carry. Chris Curry, 2.7 yards of carry.
1: I don't know what it says about me, but I did not expect Auburn's run defense to look like that. I don't think anybody really
0: did heading into this game, but that was the focus. That was the emphasis. Like, these guys challenged – the defensive front after what happened last week. And and really, we we talked about it after the Ole Miss game. It wasn't necessarily like Auburn was just getting out, just manhandled up front. They were making mistakes. There were some alignment issues. There were guys, you know, kind of getting out of position, missing tackles. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case in this game. By the way, defensive line played really, really well in this game. We'll talk about that, about their pass rush. Meanwhile, Zachobie McClain leads the SEC in tackles now. He had nine yesterday. Owen Popo had six, including one incredible tackle for loss that so was basically a sack where he looped and hawked Max Johnson, when, uh, the third-string quarterback for LSU, when he came into the game. Really good game from those two guys. Again, without K.J. Britt, there's been so much pressure on these guys to perform at linebacker, and McLean has stepped up to the challenge Pappos stepped up to the challenge. You saw a little bit more Cam Riley uh, yesterday, which I thought was a good development for Auburn. That run defense, I mean, that's how you do it. If LSU cannot run the ball, it's like, all right, true freshman quarterback, win this game. And he he didn't have a shot. He did not have a shot because, once again, Auburn did a really good job of not only keeping everything in front of them in the pass defense, not allowing the big plays, at least the first-team defense. But number two, for the second week in a row – Auburn comes into a game facing one of the SEC's best receivers and says, you're not getting in this. This is it. This is it for you. Um, you. You might get some shots early. And I think Terrace Marshall had, like, five targets in, like, the first two drives. Like, LSU was trying to get him the ball. He finishes the day with four catches for 28 yards. This dude was tearing everyone up this season for for, for uh, Yeah, You for pointed LSU. out
1: 27 catches coming into the game for nine touchdowns. So really good things happening
0: every third he was, time he, uh, he
1: got the ball for that offense.
0: He was averaging well over 100 yards a game and more than two touchdowns a game.
1: In and addition, he got four,
0: four for 28, no touchdowns.
1: In addition to just dominating their opponent... The thing that I think excites me most about the win is that I had said no one will really care if you beat up on a team like Ole Miss, even though I think we pointed out there were some elements of that Ole Miss team that were really good, right? Like, Mm -hmm. people just don't want to hear that much about beating teams like Arkansas and Ole Miss at this point in the Malzahn tenure, and I understand LSU, we might find out that they just are not a particularly good team in 2020. But it has been a team you have not beaten consistently over the last 10, 15 years, and any time you romp a rival, like people, I think, ought to be excited. And uh, that team, regardless of what they've put together as a product, holistically, especially on the defensive side of the ball, LSU, like it has a bunch of NFL-caliber players. So to me, this was a big win, one, in terms of perception. You beat a rival, you beat them soundly. And two, we hinted at this, I don't know how much one game is going to make a difference, but... You'd like to think, at least in terms of perception with recruiting, like it doesn't hurt.
0: Yeah, it can only help you. It can only help you. And it was such a really good game. And, and I want to go back real quick to the Terrace Marshall mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Terrace Marshall was targeted nine times, and he caught the ball four times. Listen to this stat. He didn't have a catch against an Auburn cornerback. The only four catches he had, he was being covered by a linebacker or a safety. Christian Tide has been – got criticized early in the season for his coverage against slot receivers. We've seen Jordan Peters have to come in and play a little nickel as well. Ladarius Tennyson can flat out play football. He's going to be really good for Auburn if you're not on board with him yet. The man only got targeted nine times, and he caught four of them. And it's like Auburn's cornerbacks, those guys in the slot just took him out of the game plan. And that was and that was the key coming in. Slow down the run, take Marshall out of the game out of the game as much as you can. And then when you have the opportunities, pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. And what did we say last week there? If Auburn could pressure T.J. Finley, they were going to have a shot in this game. And not only did they pressure T.J. Finley, they really pressured T.J. Finley in this game. Auburn had four sacks. Not all of those on Finley. Some of them were on Max Johnson as well. Auburn had four sacks. They hurried him several times, forced him into mistakes, had a strip sack. I put this stat out on Twitter right before we started recording. Derek Hall rushed the passer 15 times Saturday. He pressured the quarterback five times. That is an absurd amount of pressure. Like that is efficient get after the quarterback. And we said it. This was a perfect time for Auburn to get a breakout game from somebody on the defensive line in pass rush. Derek Brown. uh Derek. Sorry, Derek Hall did it. Big Cat Bryant got after the quarterback a little bit more. Colby wouldn't continue to get after the quarterback. But man, Hall two sacks in the first half, including the big one. That you know that that strip sack where the feeling in the stadium after that one was like oh. Auburn might not just win this game. Auburn might crush this team.
1: I was excited to see Tut pick that up. Nice return by him. Incredibly uh, good heads-up play. Yeah, a weak um, tackle effort by the LSU defender, but some good balance, and he came <laughs> in and scooped that ball I think that was John Emery. Yeah, like, I I was excited for Tut because of what you said. In part, he had had a rough start to the season, and some people had taken shots at him, uh, and it seems like he has, A, picked up his performance, and, B, it was nice for him to have a uh, defensive touchdown Man, what a dominant performance on both sides of the ball. Like, I don't think going into this game I had a whole lot of reason to expect Auburn's pass rush to look the way it did. I, I was mm-hmm. skeptical, in fact, that they were going to be able to put the pressure required to make Finley uncomfortable for four quarters. They did that, obviously. And the other thing I was concerned about, you know, could Auburn execute? Could they be better consistently than LSU at executing? And for a moment, especially after that Seth fumble, I thought, uh-oh, here it comes again, but uh, that ended up not being a problem at all.
0: The second interception of the game during the third quarter mm-hmm. comes off of pass rush. That was, I believe, Daquan Newkirk getting after. I mean, the pocket collapsed quickly. Finley ball gets batted up in the air. Big Cat Bryant picks it off. By the way, Big Cat Bryant has uh, twice as many career interceptions as Noah Benogany did in his career at Auburn. <laughs> Friend of the program. I retweeted it yesterday. I'm sorry I'm blanking on the name. James Jones, that's who it was. Pointed out, he has two more interceptions than uh, than Chris Davis had in his Auburn career. So, but yeah, heads up play by those guys. It's just that defensive line got uh, got after it. Um, yesterday I was covering uh the game for the Associated Press because uh their Alabama writer John Zener, was at Alabama's game because it's one of the few times where Alabama and Auburn play both play at home on the mm-hmm. on the same day. So I was doing that. I had to put quotes in from LSU into my, my, my gamer, so I had to go listen to that press conference while. Oh, I bet that the, was depressing. Well, the rest of that beat, rest of our beat, took care of it, and they helped me out with, with quotes and, and audio and stuff like that, so I appreciate those guys for, for that supremely. They had uh, their starting center after the game talking, and he said, uh, We got punched in the face. I mean, we got absolutely
1: killed. Well, there was literally a video of that also happening, but I don't Woo! think that's what he meant. There was literally like that uh, was embarrassing and not for the Auburn offensive lineman because the Auburn offensive lineman looked like manly men.
0: It, it, but this LSU offensive line just couldn't run the ball. And, and Coach O said it after the game. He's like, "We tried," and he's like, An <laughs> I, "He's like, An I, he's like, I don't get it." Like, we saw other teams block their defensive front. We could not block them today. And so for Auburn, it's like. This is, this is where we, we talk about it. Remember how everybody was real distraught a couple weeks ago after the South Carolina loss? And, like, they were playing – I think
1: fairly. Fairly. I mean, fairly. Yes,
0: absolutely fairly. But the thing is is that we, had, we had kind of said, you know, Auburn has the potential to get better as the season goes on. Yes, you want to start quicker, and the whole thing about being a work in progress and, you know, getting off to a slow start – yeah, that was frustrating, I know, especially on the offensive side for Auburn fans, but like, this team, the amount of youth it has out there, the amount of first-time starters or key contributors they have on this team, this team had a potential to get better as the season goes on, and yesterday, they put it all together. They put it all together because it's week-to-week, right? Like, oh, yeah, look, a, look at college football about, this year. Yeah,
1: you had a tweet about it yesterday where you joked, you know, teams are looking different week-to-week, and... Uh, as it tends to happen more so than in professional football, right? Like, these guys are often less consistent.
0: Clemson got the scare of a lifetime against Boston College Yeah, yesterday. I thought they
1: were just going to wax Boston College. I was fully on board there with the— They were 31
0: the... points favorites, even without Trevor.
1: Yeah, that, that was my thing, was everyone was making a big deal about Trevor Lawrence, and I was like, I their team is so much better. All you're going to find out is that their backup is also really good. That's not what happened. I mean, yeah. it Michi- was a close game.
0: Michigan— Averaged more yards per play than any other team in college football last week. And then they lose to a Michigan State team that got worked by Rutgers.
1: Amazing. Shout out to Mm -hmm. Mel Tucker.
0: Right? So, it it happens. It happens. Like, yes, LSU hammered a South Carolina team that Auburn lost to. But remember, Auburn lost that game, and they would love to have it back. Auburn lost that game because they threw three interceptions in their own territory. That was the reason why they lost that game. They didn't get outplayed by South Carolina. They didn't get dominated by South Carolina. Now, South Carolina did – Play a lot more evenly than LSU did for sure, but it was their mistakes. You cut those down, you have an opportunity to to, to make things happen, right? Yeah, it's it's
1: to, to, to... Texas looks
0: hor- Texas looks horrible one week and then beats Oklahoma State another week. Like it's just this year specifically in college football is going to be super unpredictable, and that plays to Auburn's benefit right now, especially with the amount of youth they have um, in 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 starting roles and, and key roles for the first time on both sides of the ball.
1: I'm curious to see what they do with this time off, and, you know, eventually we'll get into the Mississippi State game when the time is right. But I would love to see this in multiple games where they're just – it was complete. It was a complete game, and I think that there have not been a lot of those for Auburn. Even though they've been a good team in recent years, I don't feel like we've gotten both sides of the ball playing to their level of potential at the same time, and that is what I think we got – and the result was pretty awesome, even if you're convincing yourself right now, well, maybe LSU isn't as good as we might have thought.
0: Yeah, no, LSU is not as good as they thought. Um,
1: but, like, if they can do that against Mississippi State and Tennessee, I don't really care. You know, like, my, my expectation is is not for them to beat Alabama this year, just for them to be more competitive. I thought it might be a bloodbath two weeks ago. Right now, I'm thinking it could be a fun game, even if Alabama's going to be the better team in that game.
0: Right. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. And, and, and like... LSU's got some real issues. Like, Bo Pelini...
1: Apparent- I can't imagine he'll be there next year, right, Ferg?
0: No, and, and like after the game, the LSU beat was like, all right, are you going to keep this dude around? And he it, it, and Orgeron made it sound like he was going to keep him on for the rest of the season. And they were going to evaluate after the season. He feel, <laughs> it felt like you should get up but man. It's just rough. It is just really, really rough. Last word on Auburn's defense where he switched, uh, switched to the offense side of the ball. Um, Kevin Steele, man he he figures them out. Like this LSU team was moving the ball against pretty much everybody they played this season, right? Um last season, Auburn had Auburn held LSU to their worst performance offensive performance of the season. They got the win and it still wasn't bad by any means, but they they did some things to Joe Burrow and that team that nobody else was able to do. This week LSU even with the injuries, even with all the all the turnover, they were able to move the ball offensively and Look, I mean, they got some garbage time passing yards in the end, but they finished the day with 32 rushing yards and, <laughs> um, you know, not a whole lot throwing the ball. Um, 11 points. 11 points. Their only touchdown came against Auburn's second-team defense. They had, yeah, I mean, they, that's been my they punted, the they punted like They punted like eight times in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, teams sometimes Seven. have been able to put up yards against steals Defenses recently yeah. here, but the points not necessarily. And,
0: like, and early on in the game, early on in the game, it was kind of bend on break. It's like, all right, they're gonna move the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. Unless they get around midfield, lock it down. LSU, LSU never even got in the red zone yesterday.
1: Hmm.
0: They never got in the red zone. They were five of seventeen on third downs, and they're okay. So they were five of seventeen on third downs, and were two of six in the fourth quarter. So. They were three of eleven on third downs against Auburn's first team defense. I mean, this was just this is domination. This was domination and Auburn had domination. Them. And Auburn had the perfect game plan. Slow down the run, put more pressure on TJ Finley, take away his top target in, in in Terrace Marshall, and then let's see what we got. Let's see what we got. And in that game, it, it worked to it worked to perfection. Can't say enough about this Auburn defense and Kevin Steele picking up the right game plan and Auburn executed it well it was just like they knew the plan they believed in the plan the plan was always going to be solid but it was this time that Auburn executed it really really well executed it a lot more cleanly I thought Mm -hmm. than what they what they did against Ole Miss last week and that'll that'll win you a lot of games that'll win you a lot of games like we said LSU might be bad but like LSU's offense ain't bad
1: right that's the thing that I'm most excited about in terms of perception you know now that people are going oh maybe this LSU team just isn't what we thought sure maybe it's not but their offense is still a really capable offense and they have a bunch of NFL players littered on the roster if Auburn's defensive line is going to play like that in the back half of the season they'll be in every game moving forward even the Alabama game I think because I outside of that Georgia team I'm not sure that Alabama is going to face a defense like Auburn's um, some people might push back on that a little bit, and again, like I still expect Auburn to lose to Alabama, but I think every game on their schedule is very winnable when the defensive line plays mm-hmm. like that.
0: I'm still not a believer in a And M.
1: Uh, that's that absolutely not. Like you pointed out, that they you know might be a tough matchup for Auburn if they can stop the run, and Auburn has to lean on its pass game more. But you know, if it, if the pass game looks a lot like it did yesterday, I don't really care.
0: For sure, for sure. I mean, they they, you know, they they did exactly the, what they were that what they were supposed to in this game, and I, I think if you do that again, they're, they're going to be a hard team to beat. I mean, this defense has has turned on its head and has become, you know, one of the best in the SEC this season. I'm you know, looking at their you know scoring defense wise, uh, they're fourth. Alabama, Kentucky, and Georgia are ahead of them. Uh, Georgia and Kentucky are trying to play the slowest football games possible so you take that a little bit away from them Alabama you know Alabama's just a really good team no surprise there right now Auburn's fourth in uh yards per play too they have turned it around the three turnovers leading to three touchdowns that makes a big difference Auburn's own offense put up some numbers but the defense really really brought their a game on Saturday and that's a huge reason why we're talking about this team blowing out LSU instead of just merely beating LSU. Switch it over to the offensive side of the ball. I think this is going to be my my topic for film room on, on Monday. Boanix, 18-24, to 24, 300 yards, three touchdowns. There was so much about this game where I was I walked away super impressed by the way Auburn's wide receivers and tight ends played. I mean, they were the MVPs in that game. We know the running game for Auburn, not quite as good as the last few weeks. Tank Bigsby, you know, LSU could tackle him on first contact. Good for them. I mean, like, they, like LSU, as much as Bo Pelini and that team is a mess right now on that side of the uh, that side of the ball, but you know, they were able to bring down Bigsby a decent amount on Saturday. This was a game where I thought Auburn's wide receivers made all the difference in the world uh, when they got hot there in the middle of the game, and. Eli Stowe, five catches on five targets for 64 yards and a touchdown. That feels like like just commonplace for him at this point. Anthony Schwartz four catches for 123 yards and a touchdown, including the 91-yarder that put the the exclamation point on the game. Seth Williams, four catches for 71 yards, targeted six times. He did have that fumble. The big man, J.J. Pegues, catching all three of his targets (laughs) for 29 yards. Xavier Capers uh, scoring a touchdown on something that might have been called a pick play, but I thought it was just a – pretty well executed thing that a lot of teams get away with now um yeah i mean this was a this was uh, your big three and then throw in capers and piggies stepped up in a big way and uh shout out also to kobe hudson uh and kayla newton i think getting on the field a little bit and and really making a big difference with their blocking as well
1: two things i was most concerned about we hit on one of them Auburn's ability to consistently rush the passer they were able to make tj finley's Life difficult. The other thing I was skeptical about, how good could the pass offense look in the second half of the season? We just had not seen consistent play. Uh, but, hey, Bonix was at home. and the, this I don't even know how much. I mean, we could talk about Bo because I think he had a good game too, right? But the wide receivers, to me, took this team to the next level. And we had expected that on some level heading into the year, right? That's you know, where a lot of your experience was on the offensive side of the ball. And I had been disappointed at this point to see the ball going to Seth so much. They spread it around. Cannot say enough good things about the wide receiver group.
0: Eli Stove is just – I mean, I, I you have a hard time finding a more consistent receiver in the SEC uh, this season. He leads the league in catch rate. He was five for five yesterday. Had a big play on the screen. Um, he just – I mean, he, he had a third down catch to move the chains. He's just Mr. Consistency. And there were a couple times – uh, yesterday, where they used him and Painter. I know you'll get excited when I hear <laughs> when I say this. They used him like our guy Ryan Davis, motioning him that 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 pseudo H back position they used to run Ryan out of and let do those little flare screens out of it, and just saying like, hey, let's give him a short yardage look. Let's throw the ball to him. He'll get open. He's gonna make. He's gonna have sure hands when he gets open, and I think that's that's Stove's role, man. He doesn't probably necessarily need to be like ryan davis and catch the ball 15 times a game i think that role fits him really really well and you saw that yesterday
1: yeah inject everything they did in that game plan with eli directly into my veins for the rest of the season until someone figures out a way to do something about it i hope that they continue to go to that well go and go often coaching staff
0: also tweeted this on uh, on sunday if there's anyone still out there that just looks at Anthony Schwartz and says, oh, he's, he's just really fast. You better start respecting this, this guy because he is an all-around receiver. He had that early third down conversion that Auburn had where he left his man in the dust on the cut. Beautiful route. Executed it well. His hands have been super reliable this season. He had some drops maybe a little bit earlier in the year, but recently he's been able to catch the ball extremely well. They've been going to him more on third downs. Bo Nix is relying on him more. And then, of course, when you take advantage of some confused coverage, you can call a shot play to him, and guess what? He's still still faster than anyone on the field, and that was a beautiful ball from Bo Nix as well. Yes, Man, Schwartz, I mean, he's an all-around receiver. Treat him like you treat Seth Williams, right? Seth Williams is more of the 50-50 guy, and I get that. He makes some plays up in the air that nobody else really can, Schwartz is hard to cover. They are using him in a variety of ways this season that I think can only be described as big time for this Auburn team. This is a a welcome development. And then you have a guy in Seth Williams who, there was one deep shot to him early in double coverage that Bo probably shouldn't have thrown. You know, he had the fumble. Again, once again, use him over the middle of the field. You know, don't necessarily rely on him to... Just catch the deeper pass. Now he did have a couple couple of back shoulder catches against Derek Stingley, and there was this there was this thing going in the game where he's like, all right, if Bo locks on to Seth, Derek Stingley's still really really good. Bo was very decisive and calculated on when he threw the ball to Seth and when he challenged Derek Stingley because Derek Stingley's really good. And Stingley had a lot of success yesterday, I think, in covering guys for Auburn, but he didn't lock everybody down and shut them all down. The, the faith he is that Bo Nix is showing in Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz over these last few weeks is such a great sign for the future of this, of this passing attack. And then it always helps to have a guy like Seth Williams, who when, he, when you give him his opportunities, he'll, he'll make the most of them. And take away that fumble, you're talking about a great day for, for Seth Williams.
1: If the receiving core is going to play like that for the rest of the year, much like that pass rush that we got from Auburn's defensive line, they will be in every game. They may win every game with the exception of Alabama because I'm not very confident that any team on Auburn's schedule will, will be beating Auburn when they play like that. Such a dominant performance. I, I don't have anything bad to say in particular about the offense. Like I'm sure there were some missed opportunities going back and watching film. Like What areas would you say, hey, they could actually have done this a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball because it's hard to complain very much.
0: There were a couple of you know second down plays that got them behind the chains and stalled mm. out some drives but they were minimal. There were some misconnections. Capers was getting open a little bit deep. There was, you know, he wasn't quite, he doesn't quite have the timing down yet with Capers. Okay. They scored pretty much every time they touched the ball in the second and third quarter. You can't really, you can't really complain too much about that. That crew. Well, Much
1: much like the defense and in, in that old Miss game to this game and some of the mistakes that they made in alignment and mistackling, et cetera. If they clean up some of their execution, like oh holding that Ole Miss offense 28 points is not anything to scoff at but it could have been better right and I think you could say the same thing in the offense's performance it's like nothing to scoff at the performance they had but also if you want to take that next step and be a more consistent program that's in the elite tier as the season goes on they will correct those things if they can correct those those little errors it puts them in a position to win all of their games here on out I know that people aren't going to want to hear that Again, I'm going to keep adding the caveat that it probably won't include Alabama, but if if we get more games from Auburn like that, they are not losing to any of the teams on their schedule.
0: The other thing that that struck me about this game, like we knew the plan going in for Bo Nix, Nix had a couple of really good set your feet, throw the ball, you know, mm-hmm. drop. He didn't drop back a ton I think He only threw, he he dropped back 11 times, threw it six times, scrambled five times. By the way, his scrambling is, if that pass protection, I mean, the pass protection held up really well. Remember, we we had coming in this game. LSU's going to try to get after Bo Nix. And Nix scrambled, I believe it was six times in that game, for 54 yards in total. Very effective. So, like, LSU pressured him. Didn't pressure him a ton. But when he did, he was able to escape and make things happen. And not all those scrambles were, oh, somebody got beat up front and he took off. Maybe sometimes it's just, okay, nobody's open or, wow, look at that lane. Look how much space is there. I'm going to run. But the thing with Bo is that you came into this game knowing that you weren't going to get a ton of time to throw the ball with the way LSU rushes the passer. And so what Auburn did is they said, all right, wide receivers, go make plays. Eli, Schwartz, Seth, J.J. Pegues, He had three catches for 29 yards in that game. Very effective. That, that, that's a game where it's like, we're going to get the ball out of Bo Nix's hands very quickly. We're not going to open him up to the pass rush, and it's going to be on the wide receivers to make plays after the catch. And that's twofold. One, the guy who has the ball in his hands has to make plays, right? He's got to, he's got to, you know, get the yardage. But number two, the guys on the outside, especially on those screens, have to block better. And screens and sweeps were something we had not seen Auburn do very much this season successfully. That they they kept going to them, but they weren't really working super well. Yesterday, they hit screens like crazy on this team. Um, they called nine it seven screens for ninety nine yards. That's fourteen point one four yards per screen pass. Um, that was almost triple their average heading into this heading into this game. Make plays after the catch, and then guys on the outside have to block well, right? I saw Seth Williams. I saw Eli Stove. I saw Anthony Schwartz. Especially especially uh, especially uh, Williams was the one who stood out to me most. I saw Kobe Hudson. I saw Xavier. Look, Kobe Hudson did not get a ball thrown his way on Saturday, yet this man is blocking for his life out there, and doing a really, really good job. Of it. And without Shedrick Jackson, because he's hurt right now, you need a guy to do that. Hudson did that to 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 a really good success. And then you have on top of that, John Samuel Shanker, again not targeted, still blocking his tail off out there. J.J. Pegues getting a little bit more involved in the in the in the in the. Receiving game because as we can tell, uh, it's hard to bring him down. Still blocking his tail off, you know when he when he's not getting the ball. Same thing goes for Luke Deal. Luke Deal played a really good game blocking on the outside, and those little things spring big plays. You look at all the screens and the sweeps and the plays of the outside guys working hard, doing the little things right, can turn a decent play into a great play. And that's the dirty work that Auburn's prided itself on. When Auburn's at its best at wide receiver, it's when those guys are making those kind of plays. And yesterday, every one of those dudes who hit the field did some of that. And that is huge for Auburn moving forward.
1: To your earlier point, Nick's had 11 carries for 81 yards, which was a team high for rushing. He also led the team in – average uh, so, well yeah that too but 7.4 yards <laughs> yeah. average at, whereas um you know Stove had seven but only three carries Bigsby had 15 carries for 4.7 and Bigsby did you feel did you get the sense that LSU really keyed in on Bigsby yes. I mean they did an okay yes. job you know 15 carries 71 yards two touchdowns 4.7 you'll live with that but uh mm-hmm. they did not account for Bo Nix
0: no they didn't and it's that pressure and and Bo did it like I think coming into the game they just keyed in on both and said hey you're gonna get some pressure on you don't be afraid to tuck this thing and go don't sit back and you know feel like you have to you know throw off your back foot or hey, like he was very he was very decisive in like i'm not going to panic or you,
1: you just know. said the word that i had in my mind too this game felt decisive both yes. in in the outcome sure but also in the way that the players executed their game plan it seemed and you can't judge this I, i'm only saying it now because the scoreboard indicates it but Based on the way he was throwing balls, the way players were executing, it seemed like a very decisive team who had really no doubt about what their plan was going to be. And for the first time all season, I felt like they executed it well.
0: Friend of the newsletter, uh, Nathan King, was pointing this out yesterday. Bo Nix looks faster this season; like he is running quick, um, and he was very effective when he tucked the ball and go tucked the ball and, and went um that was that was the big thing for me in that game is that if you're gonna run run and he's very he, he, he's very um very perceptive when he runs he's got really good vision he weaves his way out of trouble a lot um tries to minimize get, taking hits you know in that game he didn't really get hit a ton uh so like everybody was saying you know after the game there's there i saw some people say oh you can't can't rely on him running the ball this much um you know with him at his size and it's like Look at guys like Kyler Murray and um, Russell Wilson at the next level, right? These are guys that are on the smaller end, but they do a really good job of being decisive when they run and then being very smart, knowing when to get down, when to get out of bounds, when to take it when it's there. And then and then at times, knowing when to stick your nose in there and, 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 and try to fight for an extra yard. And Bo did that on his touchdown keeper in the third quarter. Um, he, he did a really good job of that where it's just like, all right, lean in there and then go like he he didn't have a ton of designed runs on saturday um there were just scrambles that went hey there were a, about three or four times when the protection broke down and he needed to take off and he did and he, and he, and he made it work and if nix is decisive that way right and he's making smart decisions quickly and he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly and his receivers are making plays and doing all the little things right this, is, this could be a pretty potent offense. This could be a pretty potent offense. Now, it all comes with a caveat. LSU's defense is bad. I think outside of their pass rush and Derek Stingley, you can say that their defense is bad. Um, but look at the rest of the season. Okay? It's not like Mississippi State or Tennessee have these nightmare factories on defense. Alabama has been susceptible on the defensive side this year. Now, they're going to be the best challenge you have left. Texas A&M... Texas A&M gave up a bunch of points to Arkansas last night. So it's it, it, yes, beating up on a bad team on a bad defense like you did last week against Ole Miss is not necessarily a sign that everything is fixed and Auburn's back where they need to be hundred percent. However, look at the look at the SEC this season. Defense is down. So you got you gotta take these shots when you can.
1: I don't really nowhere to go from there like this is the type of game when i envisioned the best case scenario essentially going into the georgia game where i was like all right can this team take a step forward will the offense be better all of those things we projected for i don't know 8 months like it started to <laughs> yeah. come together in this game both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and of course for offense like that was the thing we were most concerned about and then the defense gave me a little bit more worry than I thought, especially with its pass rush, and they made Finley's life horrible. So I don't know if we'll get it, you know, their next matchup. But if they do, I think they're absolutely going to make life miserable for uh, Mississippi State. It's going to be a very fun game for me and a very not fun game for people in Starkville.
0: I, 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 would, I would tend to agree there uh, for sure. But one thing I also want to bring up about the offense. Again, yes, this is LSU, and yes, it was old Miss last week. But Gus Malzahn said something after the game that stuck out to me. And after going back and watching the offensive plays on on uh, from Saturday, I really, you know, it really it really stood out to me as well. Um, let's let me get let me get to the uh, let me get to the quote. <clears throat> um, this is about Bo Nix. He was like, uh, you know, Nix was very calm in the pocket. He stayed in, and that's something that Chad has been working on really hard with him. I'm really proud of Chad Morris too. You can see this offense coming together like he envisioned. We played a complete game. This, is, this offense, it's taken a while for it to come together, and again, that will frustrate Auburn fans, and I get that. But this offense is very much looking like the marriage of Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn concepts, beliefs, whatever, that made sense coming into it, right? Not necessarily let's throw the ball 50 times a game, and not necessarily let's run it back to the 2013-2014 offense, but it's a marriage, right? Zone, gap, running game, back and forth, being effective. They've run the ball for over 200 yards at each of the last four weeks. You know, they, they, they couldn't even come close to doing that last season against SEC opponents, against anybody. And then it's Bo Nix, not necessarily, like I said, throwing the ball 50 times a game, but throwing the ball 25, 20, dropping back 25, 30, 35 times a game. And, and using those wide receivers in new ways to unlock what the full, their full potential. And, and, and playing to Bo Nix's strengths. The South Carolina game, I thought, showed what his strengths were and weren't. And over the last couple of weeks, they've really consolidated that into what his strengths are. Pairing that with a rush, rushing attack that is has improved this season. And I think it's just these wide receivers are starting to get really, really more involved and use them in a variety of ways. There are some concepts and there are some plays being thrown out there, especially on third downs, especially in red zone situations, that we have not seen from Auburn in the past. It is the Chad Morris effect. However, that has been married with a running game that is very Malzahn ish. And again, it's not necessarily Clemson or Ohio State or Alabama on offense, but it's a step in the right direction. And I think it's, I think it, I mean, Painter, you, you, as a, as a fan, I, I can imagine that you were very pleased with what you saw from this offense yesterday. Not just in execution, but with the way Auburn decided to attack. It was a smart game plan that they, that they really executed well.
1: It's the most complete game. I keep going back to that because that's all I could think about was, oh, they played four really good quarters. Oh, they closed out a half. Oh, they did make a mistake. And instead of letting that create what seems to be more mistakes, they... Created a turnover of their own. A little bit of good fortune, I suppose, too. It was a badly thrown ball. But nonetheless, they did things like executing, out-executing the other team. They did things like take momentum into the halftime, even if that's a subjective thing to say. They came out of the half and basically closed the door on LSU. So, like... It was everything I wanted, both tangibly in terms of the way they out-executed their opponent, the way it looked good on both sides of the ball. Shout out to Anders Carlson for a great yeah, tackle. Yeah, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to change to... the entire game. I think if LSU can get some points on the board, right
0: there, let's let's talk for the next 45 minutes on Anders Carlson breaking down and tackling a guy in the open field. Now it's just that was huge. You're absolutely right. You know, Auburn goes up. Uh, Auburn goes up 21 nothing, and it, it was like, oh, here comes here comes LSU. Here's a chance, you know, to break off a big play, to get out of angle. And Andres Carlson broke down and hit the dude. I mean, like, I made a joke on Twitter, you know, it was like, I, I did feel like, he, you know, being a former soccer player, um, he might go, you, know, you know, Painter, you probably you probably experienced a couple of these in your day. Uh, I thought he was going to come in, if he's going to do the tackle, he's going to go slide in, studs up, and just fo- pull a red card, but it's, you know, legal in football. Just clean him up. But no, man, he got him. That's say four points, you know. That's the difference between Auburn going to the locker room up twenty-one to th- seven, and then it's twenty-one to three. Now LSU got into field goal range. It was a good return. They got into field goal range. They hit a long field goal, fifty yard from Cade York. And, but you're absolutely right. That was a that was that was another point of like, don't let up. Do not let them weasel their way back into the game. You've done this the last three years, and you know, you know how painful that is. Keep your foot on their neck. And they did.
1: Yeah, that's the happiest I've felt, I guess, outside of that Iron Bowl last year since the end of the 2017 season. It felt like, to me, the way this year was going, it could get really ugly this offseason. And if they continue to do that, it's just one game, but we saw some progress in the Ole Miss game. Uh, They get the win there. Then they clean up some things on the defensive side of the ball to really look good against... A formidable LSU offense, right? And offensively, mm-hmm. you get the most complete game they've put together in how long? I mean, I don't know if they played a game like that in twenty nineteen. Virg, they blitzed Mississippi State last season. That's right. That's but right. But
0: that's but the, even then, this one felt a little bit differently because it's not Mississippi State. It's LSU. There's still a lot of talent on that team, right? This isn't, you know even though they are playing poorly right now and they just might be a bad football team. They're a talented football team. Very big difference between the talent on the defensive side of the ball at Mississippi State last season and the, and the talent on the defensive side of the ball at LSU this year. Night and day, I think. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right, Painter. This is, a, this is a game where Auburn fans can say it's a complete game. And it's just like, for Gus Malzahn, it's a relief, Right. If you go and get hammered to Alabama by the end of the year, and you finish, you know, with four losses or whatever, people are gonna be upset. Still, the the, mem- the the good feelings and memories of this game will fade away, right? But it's a win over LSU. It's a win over a rival. You end a streak, and it was the it was the team that had been like you're you know, what what has been the big thing with Gus Malzahn's teams in the past that that people have harped on the most is like. They can't put it all together. And LSU, the LSU series has been the obvious egg. It's like, can you finish a game? Can you just put it out of reach? You know, can you find the kill shot? And even in 2020, they had not been able to find the kill shot. And they couldn't do it against South Carolina or Arkansas. Right? Instead, they do it this time, and it's a win over LSU. It's a win over one of your top three rivals. That has to ease some pressure off of off of Gus Malzon in terms of how he feels moving forward, how this program feels moving forward because this I mean this locker room never gave up on each other and they're continuing to be a very tight-knit group. You see the videos and the pictures from the celebration after the game. I mean these guys are jacked to at this point. And now they're hitting into an off week. like we talked about it heading into this week, Banner. think about the gap between four and two and three and three heading into this off week. All right, now let's think about the gap between three and three, and then this current four and two. When you're not just, oh, we squeaked by because the you know the officials um, gave Auburn a win. It's no, you're four and two because you beat the absolute breaks off of LSU. It's night and day. the, the, the difference in the feel inside the program. I mean, it, it's it's just only improving, and I think now some of the noise outside of the program has to be quiet for at least a couple of weeks, right?
1: It would be hard to imagine uh, anything different, right? Because now you go into a bye week or an off week, and you know Malzahn's teams have generally been very good coming off of those. I think they're going to beat up Mississippi State. I'd love to see them take out some anger on UT. I know some of the guys weren't on the team when they lost in 2018, but uh, that's an important one to me for my own pride and ego, and I don't think either of those teams are very good. Can you put together three straight games where offensively and defensively you're working well together, where you're executing and out-executing your opponent? I mean, if we get more games like that, I don't care who's on the schedule outside of Alabama. They will win all of their games, with, with the exception of probably the Iron Bowl, if that is what we're looking at. And that's basically what I thought this team could be heading into 2020. I was very disappointed through the first half of the season when that's not what we got. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this could be a team that, that turns the corner. And, and, I mean, you're absolutely right, Panger. If they play like this for the rest of the season. They'll
1: play a competitive game against Alabama, and they will beat everyone else. I agree.
0: I agree. If they play like they did yesterday, for sure. Um, Yeah, and you got to say, just all the feeling around the program, it just feels a lot better. And this is, you just went through six games of SEC play. You got thrown into a trash compactor in week two against Georgia. You blew a game you had no business losing in, 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 to South Carolina, and you're still 4-2, right? You're still 4-2 at this point. Um, you have to heal up. You have to rest up. We will see what the status of, of uh, Jamie and Sherwood, if there was any bad news yesterday, it was Jamie and Sherwood going down, came back out of the locker room on crutches. Uh, Gus Malzahn speaks later tonight on Sunday night, so maybe there will be an update uh, around then on his status you got to heal up you got to give these guys some rest um because especially the dudes at the line of scrimmage they deserve a break because they didn't just beat lsu up front they whooped lsu up front both sides of the ball offensive line did their job defensive line did their job and did it really really well and that's how you take a game that that that's how you turn as i wrote in the observations on sunday morning that's how you turn a game that goes from oh that's probably a solid win for you to oh that is a blowout You don't just win up front. You just don't get the edge up front. You take it by force, and you dominate them up front. And And that's a big thing.
1: It can never be the same as 2013, I think, in part because the year before was so bad as a backdrop. But the turnaround in 2013, I think, was very noticeable, oddly enough, in a win over Ole Miss, right? And then especially in a big win against Texas A&M, and... To some extent this is different because you did get the win against Ole Miss this year, but then you're playing an LSU team, you know, both those teams are ranked back in twenty thirteen, neither team was ranked in yesterday's game, but you absolutely throttled them. It's one in which if Auburn does what I think it's capable of and goes on to finish seven and three with only a loss to Alabama at this point in the season remaining, you go, Okay, that was a pretty big, noticeable turning point for the season. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So, this this could mean a lot for Auburn moving forward, and, and good that they get an off week, because, I mean, this the the vibe inside this program is 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 really good right now, for, among the players and the coaches. And how, and how could it not be after the way you played on Saturday against LSU? Now you get an off week. Now you get a chance to rest up, and then after that, play Mississippi State team that is reeling. I think the only thing that you can really say about Mississippi State that might be a positive for them is that they do play Vanderbilt this week. So they might be able to get back on track. I think Vanderbilt-Mississippi State could be one of the worst SEC games we have ever seen. I think there there is potential for that one to be very, very, very bad. Um, but good news, Auburn fans, is you don't have to watch it. And uh, you don't have to. You can take a week off. You know, you can take you can take a week off. I think next week the like, Alabama, Auburn, and LSU are all off next week. I think, and I believe Tennessee might be as well. No, Tennessee was off this week. Uh, yeah, it's like Auburn, Alabama, and LSU are all off this week. It's Georgia, Florida week. So that'll be the
1: the big one. But yeah, you know? Really cool thing that the Good weekend,
0: uh, good weekend to take take it all off, you know? Hey AEW's got a pay per view on, on Saturday night. Watch that instead.
1: <laughs> I'm not the only one pointing this out. I don't know if the SEC will end up doing anything about it because there has been quite a lot of uh frustration and anger The Mullen and, thing and po- Yeah, and pointing out the hypocrisy of tw- good of, Lord. of finding someone You know, and whatever, because the fines, all the coaches can afford the fines. They're mostly, like, slaps on the wrist to, you know, show the public. But, like, if you're going to do the slaps on the wrist for the public for tweeting um, and correctly calling out your officials for incompetency, you should probably tell Dan Mullen to not do what he did in that, I guess we can call it a brawl, definitely a fight, between Florida and Missouri going into the half. Yeah,
0: and he's pumping up the crowd and and going crazy, and he partly instigated the fight and— and then this dork comes into the post game in a Darth Vader costume. Like, what? Like, bro, you were just like uh, out for blood at halftime and then it's like, "Hey, hey guys. I'm, I'm it's just me. I'm Dan." Like, oh man. He's he's ugh. There are people on Twitter asking if we can get <laughs> Ben Walk back on for uh, you know, later in the week for some more um for some more Dan Mullen slander. And you know what? We'll see we'll see we'll see what Ben's His- up We'll see what Ben's up to. We might we might do that or a little bit.
1: His take there aged well. I did not have all that much disdain for Mullen um, heading into the 2020 season. He has the not helped his case season. out. By the yeah, way, by I the way, don't that like Flor- him very much anymore.
0: By the way, that Florida team also, not nec- necessarily keeping a tight ship in, cur- in terms of COVID. <laughs> not necessarily doing their job in the, in, the, in that aspect. So, got that got that going. I, I do
1: wish in a way that they were going to get to play this year, Auburn and Florida. You know, I guess it's one of those be careful what you wish for type yeah. deals. And I know that they're a – a team that everyone's looking at with this Georgia matchup looming, going, "Hey, maybe they can play spoiler." I don't think so, but Mm-mm. you know, I, I get it. They're for a lot of people the third best team in the conference. Of-
0: the, the interesting thing about uh, Florida Georgia this upcoming week is that uh, Setsa Bennett has looked not good since he played Auburn, and uh, Kyle Trask is still pretty good. Um, so that 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 is the one thing I'm I'm keeping a close eye on about that game is that may does quarterback play make up make up any of that difference for Florida? And, you know, how many people are not gonna be able to play for Florida is, is, is gonna be another key in that one as well, um, for a variety of reasons. Painter, we are uh, we're gonna wrap up here shortly uh, with this uh this podcast. Um, continue to ask everyone to rate and review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, these these will continue to be the Sundays episodes will continue to be free. Uh, we will do one next week. Um, we will do a free episode next week, um, even though Auburn is not playing on Saturday. So we will, we will, we'll have something, we'll have something for you and maybe an early look ahead to the final four games of the season. I had not fully cleared this with Painter yet, but I believe on Thursday, what we're going to do with the podcast, with the premium podcast, is we're going to take this off week as an opportunity and on Thursday, we're gonna do an all basketball podcast. We're gonna we're gonna run down the roster. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about uh, yeah. We'll just yeah. It'll just be kind of like a kind of like a big rundown of the roster and talk about some things going on through preseason camp. A we'll little look ahead to the upcoming season. Uh, we don't know who all Auburn's going to play at this point because basketball scheduling is a nightmare right now. Um, but <laughs> we're gonna take the off week from football as an opportunity to talk a little bit more basketball. And uh, people have been very. Um, very uh, receptive of, of of basketball content on the Observer so far, so we're going to give you a premium basketball episode on uh, on Thursday this week. So keep an eye or ear, whatever whatever <laughs> word word is it for that. Painter, if you're listening to this podcast for free and you don't have access to the premium podcast, well, how can you how can you get
1: that? ferg i'm glad you asked of course if you just get on the internet, the World Wide web and go to auburn observer you google that bing it whatever works for you it'll pop right up about a cup of coffee a month is is all it takes to get ferg's good stories plus the additional podcast the premium podcast that drops thursday afternoon if you're already listening to those please continue to rate review subscribe that helps us tremendously yeah you know, if it's worth uh, injecting a little Auburn football, Auburn basketball into your veins, I think Ferg's got you covered for, what, $6 a month. You guys can handle that. And if not, hey, we appreciate having you here on Sunday with us. And as always, appreciate you guys tweeting at us, interacting with us, telling us where you agree, disagree. This has been a lot of fun. And this has definitely been the most fun I've had this season because uh, Auburn absolutely took it to a rival. And what are you going to say? I mean, like, Gus Malzahn has not been good against LSU in Georgia, and I know that LSU is not the same team uh, that they've typically been. But there's still a lot of NFL talent on the roster, even if Bo Pelini is not a good defensive coordinator. And anytime you beat a rival, a plus. Anytime you stomp a rival, you don't have to say anything else. Absolutely, absolutely. On top of that,
0: this week we are also going to take the off week to send out some merch. If you are one of the, we, we talked about this a little bit on the premium episode on Thursday. If you are one of the Observer's unlimited subscribers, keep an eye out for an email that will be heading your way either sometime late Sunday night or early Monday morning uh, with some instructions for you if you want to take advantage of your free merch uh, that is included with your subscription. Uh, we have a pair of stickers for you. One of them is the Auburn Observer logo. The second one is a surprise um, that I will will be tweeting out on Monday morning. If you are a regular subscriber, if you're paying just the six dollars and want the sixty dollars a year, um, you will have an opportunity to buy those stickers uh, and get them mailed to you for pretty cheap. Um, we will nail out all those details sometime on Monday, and uh, you will get an email, um, probably through the website, giving you some instructions on to on how to order them. Um, if you aren't even a subscriber and you just want the stickers, you know, if you if you if you're a free listener on a, if you're just enjoying the podcast on Sundays. We appreciate every one of you do that. There's still quite a bit of you who are doing that, um, and we and we thank you for that. Yep. And and you know any sort of support uh, is big for us. And you just want the stickers, you will be able to uh, fill out that form as well. But for our people who are uh, the Observers Unlimited, who pay who pay more than the six dollars a month or the sixty dollars a year plan, uh, you will have an opportunity to get those stickers. Um, you'll get a special link to kind of uh, fill out a form to get those to you and painter and I will be sending those out uh, this week and uh, we'll be doing it for the next couple weeks. If you know, you want to catch up what we're probably going to do is for those of you who have to pay uh, for it, it's going to be very cheap. We'll just be basically just to cover the cost of uh, getting the stickers and sending them out. We're not trying to make money. We're not going to try to make a ton of money off of these. It's just going to be just a way to spread the, spread the word, um, get the brand out there a little bit more Uh I've already started passing out some stickers around uh, to some people on the beat and some people here in town. Um, so, you know, those will be out there. Yeah. Just stick them on wherever you like to put your stickers, you know, your car, your, your, your laptop cover I'm a laptop guy. I'm I a mean, laptop guy. You know, I'm a laptop guy as well. Um, so wherever, wherever you, uh, wherever you want to put them just to, just to get the word out there and get the, get, get the brand out there would be really, really helpful. So what we'll probably do is um once we get that, once we get that sorted out, you can, You'll be able to PayPal uh, me or uh, probably Venmo. We'll probably do those two options, uh, or you can just send a couple of bucks. Um, I, again, I'm not sure entirely sure what it will be, but it, I'm not. it's going to be less than $5, I would imagine. It's not, we're not going to try to – yeah, it, no more than $5, how about that? Um, but it will probably be cheap. I have to run all the numbers and have to buy stamps. I don't think I've had to buy stamps <laughs> in a very long time.
1: When was the last time you needed to do that? Um, i usually just get them from my mother which says right. a lot about me it's pretty telling actually yeah
0: um when i was in high school and i worked uh when i had to work at a at a pharmacy and we had to send mail out i had to buy a lot of stamps i don't know if there's
1: anything much more soul crushing than what it is you said you were doing there uh shout out to the people who give us our medicine because we need them mm. but i cannot fathom doing that job long term so we appreciate that was my pharmacist. high school job
0: yep that was my high school job handing people their medicine
1: uh yeah it was uh <laughs> just so like there were some other you know. there
0: were some there were some other weird retail aspects of that job that i won't get into over the air i'll just say this it was a pharmacy that was also a radio shack so I yeah don't don't even don't even want to dig into that <laughs> that too much um but yeah we will send those out uh by mail uh sometime this week so we will have the forms and the links if you're a subscriber you'll get an email about it Anybody else, I will uh, I will tweet them out, and uh, sometime on Monday you'll be able to see them, and you'll get to, you'll get to see what the two stickers are. But now one of them is a the logo, and the other one um, a mantra is is out there is out there. And so we're gonna give you we're gonna give you both of them. We just have to like buy envelopes and stamps, and you know, figure out how, how much that is. Like I haven't I like eh, I'm I'm having to start running through the numbers. <laughs> Uh, in our head, But that's what, that's how we're going to spend our off week. We're going to spend our off week doing that. We'll have some more Auburn football and Auburn basketball stuff coming up this week on AuburnReserver.com. We are not taking the off week off. We are going to put out a little more. Maybe not as much as, as, we, as, as we've done the last few weeks. We'll take a little bit of a step back. But like we said, we'll continue to have stories. Film Room coming out on Monday morning. Uh, and then also on Thursday, for sure, we're going to have a basketball-only podcast looking ahead to, to the 2020-2021 season for Bruce Pearl's Tigers. I'm on Twitter at jfergusonau. He's on Twitter at paintchartlesspainter. You got any more final thoughts?
1: Yeah, I guess I would ask you, what is your parting shot to the audience here? Because mine is is this. I know that there are some Auburn fans that are saying, hey, glad to have the win. And that's obviously the right tone to have. But I would add, uh, just like last week, when Auburn beat Ole Miss, and Auburn fans have rightfully pointed out the inconsistency at times within Gus Malzahn's program, but he has been very consistent at beating Ole Miss okay and so you have to give him credit even if you don't want to for being consistent in that specific area the other thing i don't really want to hear a whole lot about because auburn has been pretty good at beating bad teams not as good at beating those elite tier teams in your conference well maybe lsu isn't elite this year i think we can tell they're not Mm -hmm. but if you're going to complain about not beating rivals especially lsu and georgia the time to do that the time to complain is not the day after your coach and his team beat a rival
0: not only beat them, but beat them really badly. And a lot. My I think my parting shot is, is that this is proof that these are college football players in a pandemic year. They can't. Things are going to change. Things are going to vary just because they look bad at one point doesn't mean they're going to look bad forever. This Auburn team converted well on third downs, prevented third downs. Those are two problem areas for most of the year. They got after the quarterback. That was something they had not been able to do much of the, most of the season. They moved the ball efficiently. They kept their foot on their necks. They barely had any penalties for the second week in a row. They took care of the ball. These are all all those problem areas that we saw earlier in the season. A lot of them were checked off on on Saturday. It just goes to show you that this team can get better. So, I get the frustration, and I get and I get why people are are upset from time. But enjoy it. This should be a lot of fun. Auburn got to play LSU this season, and they got to beat the tar out of them. <laughs> take some pride in that. Take some take some happiness in that if you're an Auburn fan and uh, should give you a little bit more reason to be excited about what's coming up after the off week uh, with the schedule Auburn has ahead. All right, that'll do it.
1: Paying the Bills, are they playing this week? Seven to six over the Pats. Not a lot of offense. Oh,
0: that's right, yeah. But they do have the lead as
1: we're we're recording, anyway. Cam
0: Newton uh, has, like no help around him in this game. Not having NFL draft picks around him at, at quarterback is kind of like he where he was at Auburn, so a bad turning back the clock for him. It's just happening 10 years later.
1: I am curious to see how we remember Cam Newton 10 or 15 years from now when he's out of the league, and people remember that right now it's not looking like he's ever going to have a Super Bowl. Who knows how that'll go, but I think that when people do a deep dive on how bad some of his teams were some years, they will realize what a missed opportunity it was. And some of that's obviously the Patriots in their cap room and, and the limitations they had this offseason. But I have, uh, even as someone who wants the Bills to do well, have been disappointed at how things have shaken out for Cam. I'll say this
0: People 10, 15, 20 years from now should at least be able to look back and see that Cam Newton had the greatest season ever for a college football quarterback. And you can take that one to the bank much like you can take Auburn 48, LSU 11. We will talk to you guys again, talking hoops on Thursday for subscribers. Until then, adios. Go Bulls.